Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Okay, welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Tech Diversity podcast. Today is a very special day. I'm currently recording live from the Telia office in Oslo, Norway. Now, this is my first trip to Oslo in over two years, and it's great to see some familiar faces and do some business with the best companies across Oslo. And while I'm here, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to speak about one of my passions, which is diversity and inclusion. And thankfully, I've got four other people who also share this passion here with me today. So let's get into some introductions. We're going to work our way around the room and I'd like to know who you are, what you do and also what you're passionate about. Mariam, we'll start with you. Hi, thanks for having us. Uh, That's a pleasure to be here. Yep, this is Mariam. Uh, I work as product owner for uh, Enterprise Portals at Telia. Uh, and it has been almost, I would say, one year that I have started at Telia, Norway, before I was working for Volvo Cars in Sweden. Uh, and my passionate, <laughs> one of those exciting questions. Uh, yes, that's about... Mm, um, Bringing, I would say, value and productivity to my workplace. And uh, I do my best to run all those uh, practices. Um, and yes. And I'm Bjorn, and I'm uh, CTO of uh, Capgemini Norway, uh, which is a large consulting firm. Um, but before then, I, I've, and still, I still am a, a coder and I'm passionate about speed, about uh, building teams that are able to deliver uh, software at a, a fast pace, then, and uh, preferably software of good quality as well. So DevOps and all those uh, terms are are dear to me. Um, I used to also be a, a developer and a CTO or um, a section head at uh, Statistics Norway, and I've also worked 10 years in NOV, uh, building... Uh, the knob that we know today, uh, the IT department there, along with some really, really good colleagues. So it's been a, it's been a blast so far. I can't wait to code my way through my next 20, 30 years uh, <laughs> in this career. Yeah, I'm uh, Hogan and work as a tech lead in Telia in the same team that Mariam's in. Um, I've been in Telia for 10 years, so... Uh, a little longer. <laughs> what I'm passionate about, I would say, like in the context of this podcast, maybe uh, creating a, a great workplace because coding is good, speed is good, uh, but it's very important to work with people you like and to have an environment you can thrive in. Yes, and uh, my name is Chris. Uh, so nice to be here with you. Um, I work with people, uh, so that's maybe why I'm here. But uh, I work in the talent, performance, and leadership area in our company. 
So on a group level, but also then responsible for diversity and inclusion in Telia Norway. So how can we actually increase uh, our diversity and inclusion, but also make sure that everybody can feel safe to be their true authentic self. So for us, uh, diversity is about the majority. We're 20,000 people and we're all diversity. But then we also need to realize and have another thought in our head at the same time that uh, we have a lot of minorities that has been discriminated for hundreds of years and we need to put them up onto the level of the majority. But basically having the majority in eye all the time as well. And my passion is my purpose in life and that's bringing technology and people together to create a regenerative world and that also means regenerative workplaces. So that's me. Great, thank you for that everyone. So now that we've established a brief introduction into each other, let's move on to the topic in focus. Now we're all here, as we mentioned, we all have an interest in the topic of diversity and inclusion. And before this podcast, we all decided on a number of areas within this to cover. So let's get straight into it. I'll come to Hawken first. Tell us more about your topic, which was how to balance when hiring for diversity. Yeah, so, so the thought is we, we um, I guess in, in our team, what we've been mostly focused on is like increasing the amount of women we have because in tech, there are way too few women working. And then when we are so lucky that we get a female developer, um, I think it's hard to know where to put the balance between f- almost forcing them into the spotlight to like show other people that you can work here as a woman and it's a place you can feel welcome. But also... You shouldn't like push people to have to do that just because you're a woman. And I know, like for instance, Chris, you've been very good at at pushing us at that when we're doing events. Like we should have a fifty-fifty representation. But when we've had like two female developers to pick from, it's uh, it's a huge pressure on them to kind of join every time. So, well, yeah, I, I guess that's the opening. Like, how do you do that balance, and how do you make sure that people feel that? when you are invited to join this workshop or this podcast, it's not just because you're a woman, it's because we want you here. Um, Yeah. I would like to continue on that because I think, and we had the same uh, discussion actually with the leadership team yesterday. uh, And why is it okay to every time choose a man because you're a man? Uh, that we have done for hundreds of years. But now suddenly when we choose a woman because you're a woman, it's not okay. So we have discriminated positively men for hundreds of years. So now we then try to start to positively discriminate women. It's not okay. Of course it's okay. So it's really good that we choose women uh, because the other option would be that we still continue to choose men because they're men. So why do we even bother about that topic? I think that's kind of frustrating because that also hinders us to reach the balance. Uh, yeah, the, my experience is uh, I'm talking about being a woman in tech. Uh, sadly, we are not that many uh, in tech world today, um, either in the automotive industry or telecommunication. And uh, that is something that all of us need to work on that. I would say diversity and inclusion Sometimes just uh, stays like a brand for many companies and they just uh, use that because that's elegant. That is something is uh, having hashtags and trending. But when it comes to reality, 
uh, <laughs> it is not really how it works. But um, based on my experience, uh, I would say it's not easy to be only woman at the room most of the times uh, in the meetings when the pressure's on at you and you just uh, you have obsession to just review everything, to be correct in everything, and uh, just uh, do your best that you could uh, attract people just to listen to you because you are a woman, but let's say if you are a man, would you do the same effort? Uh, I don't know, you must, <laughs> maybe you should answer that. Uh, and uh, the case is that you just try to show your competences, show that, and uh, just bring a proof that, yes, I can do this job, yes, I'm talented in that. And sometimes it's frustrating because it takes your energy I'm putting that energy to the work. You put that energy to just try to make your yourself visible to the others. But uh, I'm positive about that. And I should say that mm, we as women should keep on going on that and um, just try to speak out. If, if something is not working, I think we, ha we are having a really safe environment, at least here at Telia. And I had that Volvo course as well. If something was not working, I tried to raise it. I said that, hey guys, hey dudes, it's not working, sorry, but we need to change it. Mm, it could be awkward in the beginning because no one has started that, but well, you are not a forerunner. Just you start it and just keep going on that and just lead that way, right? Um, I would say it's not really that difficult that you can see from outside to enter to the tech world. So that's why it's important to have the role models as a woman in the tech just to attract uh, more females to this industry and just coming because I know how much, how many potentials are outside there that they can come and they can contribute to great product that you are making because the product that we are making is something that everyone will use that. It is not just only men, it's women, children and everyone. So it's quite important to have that balance, just um, having different perspectives on that project that you are making. Yes. And I think um, this becomes a, a tricky issue when we're talking about recruiting, because uh, are you recruiting women because they're women? Or are you recruiting uh, women because they're good at what they do? Or are you recruiting uh, anyone because they're uh, the, the best in the business? And this is this is this is a tricky uh, because it's it's we're talking about uh, including without excluding uh, and and um, where do you put diversity in a range of I need this skill set uh, I think they can be complementary and um, recently in Cool the Shuifira Code Twenty Four there's been a huge discussion on women in the in the work environment you you guys. Mariam, you might have uh, seen this discussion. It's it's yeah. been a really good discussion. Um, it was it started because uh, a psychologist wrote about uh, that there are biological and psychological issues uh, that are uh, sort of keeping women back from uh, from doing uh, good IT work. And of course, that raised that raised hell, <laughs> and it should uh, because one wonderful thing about the Norwegian and the 
international IT community is that we have a shared set of values, and and uh, and they're very strong. So we're we're passionate about issues such as diversity. So back to uh, recruitment. What does that mean for recruitment then? Well, I think um, I've been in recruitment processes where I've hired uh, uh, women, be, uh, not just because they are women, but also because they're really good at what they do. And and uh, done the same on, on other issues, it's just race uh, and so forth, and building diverse uh, teams, which is something I'll get dive into a bit later. Uh, but um, it's... Uh, the, the hard question is how can you in, uh, include without excluding? Uh, I think yeah, no one has the answer to that at this moment. But I think uh, relating to that and what you said, Chris, about positive uh, discrimination and and the being a role model, I think my my concern is more the fact that we should be able to hire minorities and they shouldn't be forced to be the role model in a way. Mm. Um, because as a woman, you should be allowed to just want to be a developer, be hired as a developer, and you just work as a developer, and not being forced to join all of these um, exercises where we like show who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have uh, one developer I've talked to. She she is a front end developer, and she has been like thinking that maybe she really should be getting into back end development because there are fewer women doing back end development. She's not really interested in it, mm-hmm. and and that's sort of the the place. I think it's hard to find the balance, right? Because we need to have these role models to show that as women you can work in backend, you can work as a developer while not forcing every woman who wants to be a developer to be that, um, what's call it, like poster boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think uh, if we get enough women to join or ethnic people or people with uh, uh, belonging to LGBTQI community and so on and so on. I think that will not be a problem. But of course, if you're the first one or the second one, uh, there will be a, a pressure on you to maybe be that role model mm-hmm. because you got the chance. And I think even though if you don't want to yourself, you should also think back in the back mirror and then think like, okay, I don't want it for myself, but maybe since I've got this opportunity, maybe I actually need to do it uh, for others. And then when we get more people, I can actually let that down and not be that poster g- girl or boy or anything in between. But mm-hmm. then I was also thinking about uh, what you, Mariam, said about um, being an only woman. I hear the same stories from being the only gay. I hearing the same yeah. story from being the only one younger of age. I hear the same story Precisely. with men, white 50, because they don't feel they fit in. So I believe that we all have these stories where I feel like I need to deliver more. I feel the imposter syndrome. I feel alone. I feel like not totally included. Absolutely. But what I find beautiful with diversity is uh, from my own personal example when I moved to Tøyen in Oslo where everybody is different because the whole world is collected in one small place this is the first time I ever felt uh, at home because I cannot try to fit in with any of these kind of 51 different nationalities then I would be schizo and probably on a hospital Uh, (laughs) instead I need to try to be myself even more 
So I get to grow my authentic self. And I think that's the beauty when we bring uh, uh, gender, more gender uh, diversity in, more ethnic diversity in, more disabilities or abilities, whatever you like to call it, LGBTQIA+. Uh, and then everybody sees like, people around me are totally different. So I can be me yeah. and I can like let my shoulders down. Nice. Thank you all for that. I think that's a really important topic that um, that you brought up there, Hawkins. So thanks for that. Now, Mariam, I wanted to come to you for your um, subtopic or kind of discussion point, which was the top topic of cultures and having different cultures um, or people with different backgrounds within a team and the importance of that. Yeah, one of my favourite topics. <laughs> I... Uh shortly touched upon that topic but um, as I said when you are developing a product or let's just think out of the, uh, this room not product whatever you need to have different perspective how you want to do that work how you want to develop new ideas there but imagine we are a group of people 10 of us all are similar white uh, grown up in one country, uh, more or less same cultures. We might be from different cities. How would be that work that you are delivering <laughs> or that product that you are <clears throat> making? I don't think necessarily that's a good thing because all of you have seen the have kind of same perspective. You never have been in different situations. You haven't really experienced other kind of things so uh, but vice versa let's imagine about something that you are developing with people from different culture background cultures uh, culture backgrounds like uh, I don't know people have been uh, grown up in um, Middle East in the States in Europe in uh, Asia uh, and they have different cultures and uh, they have experienced even I don't say that all of them have been educated even some of them might be their own interest to just follow up and come to that industry. Like coding, you mentioned, we have someone who is really, really good. I need to mention her here, <laughs> but uh, she really doesn't study programming. But it doesn't mean that she can't add value. Actually, she sees uh, the, the, work, the work process that we have, she sees with fresh eyes. I said, oh, why we shouldn't do it in that way. Why we shouldn't challenge in this way. And that's really good. But imagine if I go back to my first example, if we were 10 people from the same thing, how we could reach that? Uh, and um, about uh, experience side, um, I also want to mention this as well. When we are talking about this diversity, it just fails to the I don't know, level four or five of the employment like us as a developer, like the people who are product owners, I think we should raise it to the upper levels as well, to the business, to the people in higher management positions, because you usually see that, I can guess that, they are all between 45, 55, with all suits, <laughs> and maybe from the same nationality. Uh, why we don't challenge that as well. So what I want to say, it's you know a lot of things I want to gather, <laughs> but I have very short time. Uh, but uh, what I want to say is like um, this uh, 
diversity or inclusion it's not just about the things that we are doing we just we need just to expand it to different levels as well um and i as a person who has experience working in two different industries uh, living studying um, working in four different countries i can see the benefit of that when people talk and when they people behave in a different manner i could understand that i could respond to that but imagine for someone who has lived in her or his box for i don't know since he was or she was born and i couldn't really explain to him or her that why this behavior is different why we are doing in different manner mm, yeah there are many things that i could add if i have time <laughs> Uh, I um, I want to challenge one thing yeah. uh, about what you said, and I, I think yeah, it's sure. it's cool that we can have a conversation about it. Yeah, but sure. uh, I also see a great business case in having a diverse team, and and um, diversity should definitely be raised in management as well. Uh, white men pushing fifty in in gray suits is a classic, except maybe the HR representative. <laughs> the HR representative is very often a woman. Um, I think we ought to recognize uh, there are two sides of this story because uh, white men pushing 50 have also made great products before us. And we are here today because white men pushing 50 have uh, made this possible uh, for us. Uh, I don't want to discredit women. Of course, many women have been uh, uh, very central in creating products bef uh, also before us. But... Um, but um, uh, I think white men pushing 50, a team of only white men pushing 50, uh, can also make great products. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, I just wanted to recognize that so that we're not, once again, excluding when we're talking about mm -hmm. inclusion. Yeah. But I would like to actually comment that <clears throat> because, of course, they can create uh, great products, but I don't think they can create excellent products. Products. So if you look to decision making, for example, an all white 50 plus team will take good business decisions in 57% 57, 57 of the time. But if you add gender diversity and ethnic diversity, that goes all the way up to 87%. So you add kind of many percentages of improvement to a decision or a product or a delivery. So are we okay with good products or do we want excellent products that fits our customer really well? Then we need diversity. So uh, I think we're all interested in leveling up. And then also coming to the, uh, of course, the management and the role models uh, in diversity. I think, uh, at least for Telia, I'm really proud that we actually have now publicly committed goals uh, communicated to our shareholders that we, within 2025, will be 50-50 in all our markets uh, and across all the top 150 leaders in our company. And then I know that uh, many countries, including Norway, have said for all managers in our country as well. Uh, so it trickles down the whole organization. And we're just about around uh, 28 today. So just in a couple of years, we need to push that to 20%. And it's communicated to our uh, state, uh, shareholders. So we need to deliver on that. And I think that's really, really cool. And then, of course, the other goals uh, are closing the pay gaps, both for ethnic pay gaps, uh, gender, and then uh, age, uh, as we're looking into other parameters as well. And then 
The cool thing as a challenger that we also do is that we have done a pilot of a survey. So we also get numbers on LGBTQI belonging, on disability belonging, on ethnic belonging. That uh, we have done a successful pilot now and we'll run the full survey next year. So we can also benchmark to the society. Okay, it, in Norway it's 10% gay people or queer people then we are maybe only two percent that answers that they feel a belonging to what kind of actions can we do towards that so finally we get numbers and you all know in business if you have numbers things will get done so i think that's also kind of groundbreaking because what i believe in the diversity game is that people are too scared about touching these topics and talking about it i rather call a person uh, as i did in another podcast where i really got yelled at afterwards i called a uh, person transsexual instead of a trans person because you're a person you're not only your sexuality but then let's not try to take each other down and haunt each other for doing mistakes rather uh, develop and educate each other uh, and I hope I'm going to do a lot of mistakes going forward because then I actually uh, develop myself and take risks in order to improve the diversity. So I would wish less, at least online, uh, in uh, if it's podcasts, if it's conferences, every time we do a quarterly diversity talk in Tela, which is also open publicly, we usually have 1,300 people, but there's always someone, when we had an ethnicity, it was like, you're blackwashing. When it was about women, why didn't you invite men? When it's uh, with men, that's going to be allies. It's why do you have men on the agenda? There's enough men now. Like, seriously, we're all in this together. 20,000 people is diversity. You are diversity don't try to fight between the minorities then we will never get anywhere but i think what's uh, then going back to your when we have the goal of getting a more diverse leadership group i think mariam's point then is very important that it's hard to grow the leadership or the diversity in the leadership groups if you haven't first worked at having diverse teams because you need somewhere to recruit from you can't like just expect um bi to educate leaders that are diverse. We need to kind of grow the people on the bottom so that they can be promoted and be the leaders. I kind of uh, strongly disagree with that. Uh, so uh, in our last diversity talk uh, this quarter, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had male allyship uh, and a couple of our C company CEOs was there talking about how they recruited diversity and got to gender balance and got to diversity balance in their teams. And Marcus Messer, uh, who is our chief operating officer, he actually I hired a musician in his previous job to be a leader for a team that she don't know, need to know the technology but she was uh, a really great leader. So uh, I would say, especially in leadership team, you have a big funnel because you can recruit from teachers, you can re recruit from musicians, you can recruit from anywhere. They just need a drive, engagement, uh, be able to communicate, get people together, build the best teams. So we should have been done by that by tomorrow, I would say. And then we can do the difficult stuff with the teams because they need the technical competence. And then we have cool initiatives. And I think that's where we need to dare to think differently. We did a pilot with academic work. We have now eight consultants uh, from academic work, which went through a program to become or fill a position as a junior data engineer in Telia. And within 12 weeks, uh, paid education, full-time, uh, quite intensive, 
they are then able to fill a junior data engineer position at Tele. And previously, of course, that took five years. I don't say that they have the same education and skills uh, as five years, so no pun intended, but they have the qualification they need to start to perform in a junior role in Tele. And if we can kind of um, track five years down to 12 uh, weeks, because it's only the things necessary to uh, perform in your role, then we have a big pipeline. We had a pilot. We have a, a nurse. Uh, you don't need any previous experience with technology. You can only take skills and uh, what is called uh, IQ tests and so on. And then you're off uh, and go. So we need to think differently about that. I agree. I'm an orchestra conductor. So I'm, I'm an educated <laughs> orchestra conductor. I, don't, I, didn't, I learned code when I was 12 uh, just all by myself. Um, and and uh, never looked back, and I'm I still conduct orchestras. Uh, certainly make more money coding, but <laughs> but I I also agree. I mean, education uh, matters very little today uh, when it comes to um, hiring qualified people. And we have a really good example of that in our group. Mm. We have someone, uh, as I mentioned, she uh, hasn't have any. She doesn't have any. Studying in um, IT or uh, coding, but she is one of our great team members. Yes. Mm. And I think uh, as recruiters, as companies, we have a huge responsibility because when we write, uh, write job ads today, mm-hmm. we write three to five years experience. We write fluent in Norwegian. We write everything bullshit that you don't need to have to enter that role because mm-hmm. the only thing we're asking for, can you perform this role or not? So let's put all the bullshit aside, write only the things necessary to perform, and then a lot of people will dare to apply. But if you search for a ninja and a superhero and an introvert that's good in teams, uh, and you like, there's no human being with actually true awareness that would apply for that. Men without awareness that apply for one out of 10 bullet points, they are the ones applying. Those are not necessarily the ones, uh, people you want to have. So let's start with the job ads, I think. Uh, yep. Adding to that, um, the thing about the tele-advertisement, which I love, uh, it was del- it was different than the others. As you said, all of them just following the same template, saying the same things. But I tell you, there is a line saying that if you don't fill all the checkbox, don't worry. Just apply and maybe you are the candidate and something uh, motivating that. It doesn't mean that you need to tick all those checkboxes to apply for the job. Mm. Maybe you are the right candidate. Mm. And then I would like to have one urge to companies out there as well, uh, because we have one cool example uh, within our company before we started this. All our uh, job ads were in Norwegian, Mm -hmm. but she Google translated it to English. She applied in English uh, and then she got the job. So what I would say, like, why do we have Norwegian proficiency as a standard often in many companies when you're not even supposed to talk to a customer or you don't even need to know Norwegian. And then you have a big international talent pool like people with PhDs and people with like triple or fourple masters and like they're not getting jobs maybe because they have a different name and they need to change it to Norwegian. That's another discussion we can take. Uh, But then uh, if you see uh, no language proficiency needed then everyone is uh, open to apply. So there's small things we can do to get a much bigger talent pool. 
And I agree. And we have to keep in mind that the, the edge of technology is now moving from the west to the east. So we have a huge environment in India, for example, in Pakistan and uh, that are now up and coming uh, that used to be, you know, somewhere we off outsourced all our all the things that we didn't want to do and got it back with varied results. Um, they're now at the very edge of the technology, I think, uh, they're building some really competent uh, environments down there, and we should be hiring more from from the east. I think. Mm. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and I actually thought what what you said there, Mariam, about um, people with education or non-education, really, really important. Um, and yeah, it can definitely bring different things, which does lead us quite nicely onto your topic, Bjorn, which is more of obviously highlighting the importance of diversity on a team, um, but also the the business case for it and how to actually build the best team and include diversity of thought. Yeah, Chris said it very nicely uh, just recently. Uh, it's a good business case to hire a diverse team because uh, you make better decisions uh, when you're diverse. So when I said men pushing 50 have made good decisions previously, they have uh, but the world has changed, and the world is now closer to us than it's ever been before, and most of our products that we make are made for the world and not just for one set group of, of people. So there's a, a good business case for diversity in the sense that uh, we're more productive uh, when we're on a diverse team. We're more creative because we think differently. We have more <laughs> a greater range of thoughts. Uh, and... Uh, we're also able to adjust to a changing reality better because we're forced to, to sort of be more open-minded when we're on a, a team that does not think just like you. So I never hire anymore for, um, for sort of race or gender or I, I hire for difference of thoughts. And very often uh, I, uh, that, that'll force me to hire uh, uh, people with different backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, um, uh, just because they have a different set of values, a different set of uh, ideas, different uh, ways of thinking, uh, of solving problems, which is what we're doing as developers or on product teams, we're solving problems. And and, and so that's really why I'm, I'm hiring diverse teams, why they end up being diverse in terms of skin color and gender and so forth. It's because they have the background that uh, makes the diverse ideas flourish on on uh, on teams, and that, in my experience, makes really good, uh, fast delivering teams. So we're talking about difference or uh, diversity in value systems, in learning styles and experiences, in political views. Finding conservative developers, for example, is one of the most difficult things in the world, <laughs> if that's what you want. Um, and, and sometimes political views are also uh, uh, also a, a theme that you want to create diversity around. Uh, personality profiles, perspectives, and hobbies as well. We touched on uh, uh, education just recently. And um, I think also a diversity of, of hobbies can be important because you also solve problems in your hobbies. So having someone that's really good at puzzling and someone else that's really good at climbing, for example, would be uh, two different ways of solving problems, but they're both solving problems. 
I just uh, was meeting myself in the door one day because we're all talking about being inclusive, everybody should feel welcome, everybody is okay no matter what you are, but then also accepting that there will be people that don't think you're okay like you are. I know there's a lot of people that don't think it's okay that I'm gay, even with this within this company, and that must be allowed as well. That's also diversity. Uh, so we need to be accept uh, accepting both ways, I think. Because I was like uh, a bit startled when we had this kind of pride campaign and we delivered out like freebies with the pride logo and buttons. And out of maybe a couple of five hundreds, uh, maybe there was three or four person. No, I'm not wearing that. Uh, that's a political standpoint I can't stand for. And then, of course, you can argue if it's a political standpoint. I don't think it is. It's a human right. But then also not trying to convince them that this is right, but that we can live side by side in a good way and respect each other, that we don't need to agree. I think that's also an important point. So glad to hear you say that, Chris, and I completely agree with you. Uh, uh, I think um, I think that's also, uh, once again, including without excluding. Mm. Uh, so, um, so um having room for the people that think uh, diametrically the opposite of the way I think and the values that I have definitely is uh, important. That does challenge me because the IT environment, as I said, had a have a very strong shared set of values in terms of especially diversity, I think, mm. and inclusion. Um, and that makes sort of an echo chamber uh, sometimes. And we all agree here that we should fight for more diversity and inclusion and mm. so forth. And um i i'm challenged by ideas that will uh that are the opposite mm. and then i would like to just introduce one short thing uh and that's we talk always about the differences when we talk about diversity mm -hmm. so i would like us to start to more uh, to talk about the similarities the thing we have in common is uh, basically to be or to be able to perform our best and high performing teams are defined by having high degree of psychological safety mm -hmm. so that i'm able to sit in a maybe big conference uh, as we had uh, earlier introducing that conference and saying that uh, i'm openly gay uh, i have had a lot of troubles going to a psychiatrist i use it regularly every year uh, i've been hit down uh, on the street just because i'm gay uh, sharing my intimate difficulties and stories with ease uh, and no maybe uh, no maybe threat or feeling afraid of that having repercussions afterwards i think that's really important and to me maybe the worst kind of minority i uh, feel that i've been a part of in this game is being a rebellion at the workplace that's even worse than being gay i've uh, several times been kind of addressed okay maybe you should calm down or maybe you then need to leave if you kind of rebel that much and yeah i'm, I'm a lot uh, but we need also rebels we need people who are silent and doing their job we need all kind of people so uh, in the diversity game I, sh i think we should talk about the rebellions as a minority Uh, I agree with the uh, mostly agree with the everything, but that you say, uh, Chris. But for with the first part that you say that we should focus on the similarities, I strongly agree. Let's just change our position and look at the subjects differently. We are all similar, but our differences will make the solution uh, the best one. Mm. So just let's get benefit of that in that way. 
So not just talking about the differences that you have that, I don't know, you are gay and this person is from East, that person has accent when she or he is speaking, this is blue-eyed, that is, uh, let's just put this aside and just uh, focus on the similarities we have and get all these benefits, all these different and diverse backgrounds to solve the solution, to just introduce a great solution. Mm. We do kind of a cool activity with all our new joiners, uh, mm-hmm. and that's really kind of exemplifying uh, the thing we are talking about now, Miriam. And uh, when we start and invite everybody to the new joiners meetup, they do an exercise that's called My Values. Uh, instead of talking about, okay, the party I had or how I celebrate or where I come from and all these things that usually on the surface are really different, they start to talk about what's your core values in life, uh, why are you here, what do you want to contribute with. And then they every time come back, uh, no matter who people we switch up uh, against, they say, oh my God, we're actually similar. We have the same values. We have the same mindset. We're... So on the depth we have the same blood we have the same core fundament we have the same everybody wants something good for the world they want to contribute they want to perform they want to be seen they want to be heard like we're identical and then we have some outer uh, uh, differences but let's focus on the biggest part and that's similar and the important thing you mentioned really good thing just to keep in mind that we had no choice where to born which family to raise grow up it was a geographical thing that's east and here is west, right? And we shouldn't take these opportunities uh, from the people that are coming from different backgrounds. Mm. Thank you. I agree really, really strongly, to be honest, with what you said about the values there. Um, beyond something I was going to ask on your topic of kind of hiring difference and diversity of thought, do you ever get conflicts within that? Yes, and I want the conflicts. Mm. So I, th- I think uh, conflicts is what challenges us. And I think we, as long as we have some common set of how to deal with conflicts, and how to deal with diverse thoughts. As uh, Chris was said about psychological safety, I think that requires some sort of a sort of a platform that you can build diversity upon. Mm-hmm. And and so so when these conflicts arise, which they will, uh, it's important to have a good s- platform uh, of of some uh, values that uh, makes you able to deal with these conflicts. Yeah, so because the values are there, the conflicts are, you can easily get over them. and Yeah, you can work them out, Yeah, and you should. And so, so conflicts are good if you can work them out. They're bad if you can't. Yeah, nice. No, I love that. Um, and Chris, I know you mentioned the psychological safety, the mental health side of diversity just then, um, but is there anything else you want to add on that topic with that being what you've brought here? Yes, so uh, I would like to address the teams, actually, because what I see and we see a lot in Scandinavian culture, that is that we are afraid of conflict. And if you look to research on high-performing teams, as I'm also kind of responsible for leadership and team development, if you look to Susan Whelan's research, for example, every team needs to go uh, um, uh, against, no, that's not the word, 
through four different steps. And the second step, after the honeymoon and the cocktail party and everything's nice, and that's kind of conflict. It's uh, actually called fight. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and that stage can last for three to six months. But if you're not willing to go through that difficult stage, you will never reach high performing as a team. So a lot of teams are actually just in the honeymoon cocktail party uh, phase all their life. And they don't get to full production or high performing. It's it can really make a big difference. And once you get through that ceiling, you get to high performance. You get to flow. You don't even maybe need to socialize even more because you feel like you socialize when you work. Uh, and that's kind of the nirvana of teams. And who wouldn't like to be, come there? But then you need to also deal with a lot of conflict. So let's make conflicts normal. Let's make high ceilings normal. Let's make high temperature. Let's cry, scream, yell at the workplaces so we can become better together and not be afraid of emotions is basically what I'm saying. Lovely, thank you. Yeah, I, um, me and my team, we've recently done a Hyper Island course and it was on leading teams and that was a big topic and it showed the model of the four stages and some of the questions were assess where your team are, like which stage do you think you are and how can you go through that um, and yeah it's a massive massive important point that conflict doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing it can definitely do good so yeah thank you all for your your comments there is anybody else got anything to add before we wrap up as we're approaching the the one hour mark no Okay, well, thank you to Mariam, Hawken, Bjorn and Chris for providing some really, really good insights into this topic. And thank you to everyone listening to this latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. <laughs>